you guys doing this morning, NCC? It's good to see each of you here, and if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we are so glad that you're with us. This morning, we are kicking off a brand new series called You For Me and Me For You. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about um, our life maybe as single individuals, our life in relationships and marriage, and what's a biblical view of each of those seasons of our life. And I know some of you, maybe you've been around NCC for a while. Others of you, you may be new. And so I wanted to start just by sharing a little bit of my story. In the fall of 1996, I moved to Texas and went to a Bible college here, and I met my best friend. That's Sarah right there. Um, We met, we had a group of friends that all hung out together. Um, So a lot of people that went to that college lived here in Texas. They'd go home on the weekend. And there were a few of us um, from out of state, so we couldn't go home on the weekend. So we ended up just hanging out together. I loved being around Sarah. She was funny. We'd talk about the Bible together. We'd go and minister. So we'd do different things in the city to meet people um, that were under-resourced. And I just loved spending time with her. Now, I did not know this, but after we had just been friends a few weeks, some of you guys have heard Sarah tell this story. She wrote in her journal, I think I'm supposed to marry Aaron. Didn't know that, okay, had no idea. And the other funny thing is my dad, the first time he met Sarah, really felt like God told him, hey, this is who Aaron's going to meet. So I was the last one to the party, you guys, okay? I was just good friends. Like, I just loved being around her. She was so much fun. But we started talking, and eventually we did begin to date um, and talked about marriage and everything. So July 25th, 1998, this is us. I know we look like we're too young to be married. Maybe we were, okay? Um, I was 20. She was 19. We got married in Illinois. I remember coming back to Texas because that's where we lived um, when we first were married, right back here in Texas. And we, a couple from the church took us out. And we were eating lunch with them, and they're like, we've been married five years. And in my mind, just coming back from my honeymoon, I'm like, what is it like to be married five years? That is so crazy. And um, this... This July coming up, we'll celebrate 25 years of marriage. And this is us. Um, This is last year, two of our kids got married. Okay, so you may not know this. um, But yeah, two of our kids got married. We have eight kids together. Sarah and myself do. um, Four through the miracle of adoption. Four biologically. God has blessed our family. And I would love to tell you that I'm standing up here as an expert on marriage after 25 years. But I am not, you guys. Okay? Love to tell you I've done everything right and I have it all figured out, but that is not what's going to happen over the next few weeks, okay? We're going to go to the scripture like we always do, and we're going to look at what does the Bible say about the relationships in our life? And even though we mess it up sometimes and none of us are perfect, how do we look to have healthy relationships? And that's the heart of this series, You For Me and Me For You, what we are going to be talking about. And I want to set us up for success Um, over these next couple of weeks about what it is that we're going to be talking about and what this is going to look like, okay? Um, This series is not just for married people, okay? It's not just for people that are in a dating relationship. That's not the heart of this series. That's not what we're going to be talking about. We're going to go to the scripture and look at a lot of different relationships that are in our life and how do we follow the scriptures? What does the scripture say about those? This is really important, okay? We're going to talk about being single, How many of you guys have ever been single at any point in your life? Go ahead and just raise your hand. Keep it up for a second. Just look around the room, okay? If you've ever been single in your life, okay, you can see 
That's all of us. So we're going to talk about that, okay, because that's important in our life. Um, We're going to talk about marriage as well. And I know there's this tendency, okay, when we get to certain parts of the message or even in a few Sundays, we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about singleness for you to zone out and think, well, I'm married right now. Like, that doesn't apply to me, but it does. Or maybe we're talking about marriage and you're thinking, I'm single. Like, that, that's not really my life right now. And the tendency may be to zone out. Don't zone out. My prayer and my encouragement is that you would take some really great notes, write down some points, maybe some nuggets of truth, some scriptures, because you have friends that are married even if you're single. And if you're single, um, yeah, you have friends that are married. If you're married, you have friends that are single. And God could use you in a moment when they need some encouragement, when they need maybe to be challenged, they need some truth in their life for you to be able to speak those things. Please do not zone out when you think, okay, that's not really me right now. I'll listen up here in a moment. All of this is for us. God wants to speak to us. And that's the heart of this series is we're going to talk about relationships. Some of the stuff we're going to talk about is going to be really important for your work situations, for family members, for friends. This is about relationships and what God is wanting to speak to us about. And I want to start this morning by talking about a biblical view of marriage. Once again, we're going to talk about a little bit about singleness, but I want to start there, a biblical view of marriage. As I was working on um, this message this week, I came across an article that we're talking about traditions of marriage all around the world. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of these. Some of them were really fascinating to me. Um, In one culture, groomsmen are really groomsmen. This is in a country in Europe. So on the wedding day, they take turns shaving the groom's face. Like they're literally groomsmen. And then, this could be really helpful, maybe someone needs this tip. On the wedding day, the groom goes and eats a meal with his future mother-in-law. And they eat almonds and honey to symbolize we want this to be a sweet relationship and not a really bad relationship. And so that's what they do culturally is you sit down and eat a meal with your future mother-in-law. You eat honey and almonds to kind of symbolize what you want that relationship to be like. That was really interesting. In another um, culture, they break dishes in front of the bride and groom's house whenever they're away on their honeymoon. And the first thing they're supposed to do when they get back is house chores together. And you both clean up and sweep up the things to symbolize we can handle together whatever is thrown at us, okay? So it doesn't matter what gets thrown at us in life, we can do this together. In another culture in Southeast Asia, when the bride and groom are leaving the reception, the families form a human rug. And the bride and groom walk on them. I don't know if anyone wants to do that, but it symbolizes the relationship they're getting ready to start is built on the foundation of the family that they came from. All of these really unique kind of things around the world traditions that we have around marriage. But I'm hearing more and more on TV shows that I watch, on podcasts that I listen to, this idea that, hey, maybe marriage needs to be done away with. It's just this man-made thing. It's this human institution. There are views that, well, marriage is really just to oppress women and to take away women's rights. That's some people's view on marriage, or, you know, it's just something made up by the government to kind of deal with taxes and insurance. That's how some people view marriage. But we want to go back to, what does the Bible say? Because long before you would go to the justice of the peace, or you had to get an official wedding ceremony, or any of the other traditions, some of them really great, some of them maybe not so great, around the world that we do, there was Yahweh, and there was the first man and woman. And I love one of my favorite movies, Fiddler on the Roof. Tevye, the main character, is talking about this, how God 
was the first matchmaker. He was the first one to unite people in marriage with Adam and Eve to bring a man and a woman together. And so when we're talking about this, we want to go back to the scriptures and look at what does the Bible say about this? What should our view on this be? And so I want to start here with this idea. Our single life and married life is our second calling to put Jesus on display for the world. Our single life and our married life is our second calling to put Jesus on display for the world. That's what God has called us to do, okay? Now, so you don't get stuck here and you're thinking, did I miss something? What's our first calling? Your first calling is to God himself, okay? And that, that's a different message, so I'm not going to go a long way into that. Um, but our first calling is to God himself. Our second calling is either in our single or our married life to put Jesus on display for the world around us. Once again, this is so important because all of us are going to be single at some point in our life. Um, I hadn't really thought about this. A few weeks ago, I was talking to my mom. I mentioned that my dad passed just a few years ago, and she was sharing this with me of, I'm having to ask God again, what does it look like to be single at this stage in my life? She hadn't expected that. We hadn't planned for my dad to pass this early, but like, that's what she's asking right now. How How do I honor God in my singleness now at this stage in my life? And so we want to talk about that. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 19, if you have your Bibles. And I want to encourage you, you can write this down and you can go back and read the entire chapter because it's really great. Jesus is talking to a group of religious people. And this is the question they pose to Jesus. Can we divorce our spouse for any reason? Like they're really looking for a way to get out of marriage, which isn't a great thing to have a great perspective to have, but that's kind of where they start at. And so Jesus engages in this conversation of what does it look like to honor God in singleness? What does it look like to honor God in marriage? In Matthew 19, 11, this is what he says, talking about being single. Not everyone can accept this word, but only to those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who are born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are others who have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who, could, who can accept this should accept it. So Jesus is talking here that not everyone is called to get married in their life. Okay, And there are a number of reasons that people may find themselves single. Um, and he goes through those. And one of those is, hey, you may choose to honor God and in your life choose not to get married to further the kingdom of God or to be part of what God is calling you to do. Those who can accept this should accept this. Now, let me bring a little bit of clarification here of what this is saying. Jesus is not saying, hey, everyone should try to be single. Okay, that's not what this is saying. Okay, he's talking about a call that God has on our life um, in this of what God is speaking to us. One commentary said that it's literally a calling and it's something God has given to some individuals to be single. Now, as I mentioned, some of us will be single at different seasons of our life. Others may be single their entire life, and that's a calling that God has. And if we can accept that, we should accept that. Sometimes we mess this up, though, okay? We think this, and this is honestly some people's thought of, oh, you're single because you can't find someone. Or you must be really messed up, and whenever you get your stuff together, then you'll get married and God will give you someone. That is not what the Bible talks about, okay? So you need to get that out of your mind. That's not what Scripture is saying, okay? Scripture is not also saying that single is the ultimate calling, that you're more holy. If you can stay single your entire life, that that's better than being married. That's not what Scripture is talking about 
either, right? It's talking about, hey, for some, God has called them to be single. That's the way they're called to live out their life, and that is a gift from God over them. And so I love this definition of singleness by Pete Scazzaro. I'm a Christian pastor and author. This is what he says. Um, To be single may be a vowed or dedicated life that bears witness to the breath of Christ's love. He said, when you're single, you're putting on display how wide Christ's love is because you're not limited by a vow to one person. There are freedoms and time to express the love of Christ to a broad range of people. Both married people and single people point and reveal to Christ's love in different ways, and we both need to learn from one another the different aspects of Christ's love. So what he is saying is, as a single individual, you're not just committed to one person. There is a community that God has put around you. And through that community, you display how wide the love of Christ is. That's what he's talking about here. So when you're single, there needs to be some intentionality in your life just as being married, okay? And that's really important that you take care of yourself, like mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, all of these different aspects of your life as well as you invest in the community around you. I mentioned this a moment ago, but if you are single, you need people that are feeding into your life relationally. You desperately need that, okay? If you're married, you may have that person, you know, with that individual living with you, but when you're single, you may not have someone that's right there in your life. You need to be intentional about developing that community, about building that community, and displaying the love of Christ, how wide the love of Christ is, in our lives. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about this in a deeper level here in a few weeks. So that's all I'll kind of say about singleness right now. But then Jesus goes on in Matthew 19 to talk about being married. And this is what he says once again in response to these religious people. He said, it's this for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together Let no one separate. And Pete Scazzaro, in his book, he writes this. um, To be married means a man and a woman who have become one flesh through a union and through a covenant vow to God, to one another, and to a larger community. They have committed to permanently, freely, faithfully, and fruitfully love one another. That's what marriage is, is that they've made a vow to God to one another, and to a larger community, to permanently, freely, faithfully, and fruitfully to love one another. That's what the Bible is talking about there. That's what Jesus is saying as it comes to marriage, is that we have committed to love one other person in this way, to honor them. Now, in our society, in in our culture, this has gotten really messed up, this idea of love, this idea of what marriage is or what marriage isn't. And so I want to bring just a little bit of clarification on this, okay? There is something unique about that marriage covenant. There is. Scripture talks about that, and it tells us that. And we live in a culture that tells you some different things that are not in keeping with what the Bible says. We live in a hookup culture, okay? That if two people are consenting, it's okay, Make that late night call, hook up, it's going to all be good, okay? As long as everyone's okay with it, this is totally fine. We live in a culture that has friends with benefits, right? That I don't have to make a commitment to you, but I can be sexually gratified, I can take care of my sexual needs, and I don't really have to be concerned with any long-term commitment for you, okay? We live in a culture that says 
you can never really know if you can commit your life to someone, so you need to try it out first. Sleep together, live together, see if it works out, and if everything goes okay, then maybe you could make a lifelong commitment to someone else. Okay, we live in a culture that says it doesn't have to be a man and a woman. It doesn't matter. As long as it feels good, you can do it. We live in a culture that says within a matter of seconds, you can objectify another human being and make them less than human and simply through a picture and image, sexually gratify yourself. This is the time in the culture that we live in. All of this is against God's biblical view of marriage. It's against what the scripture says. The scripture talks about that level of intimacy coming along with a lifelong commitment. That not only are we deeply connected, but I am committing to be faithful to you, to truly love you for the entirety of my life, to honor you, to respect you. This is what God has called us to. Now, let me say this right here, okay? This message is not to shame anyone. That's not the heart of this message today, okay? So if you're living with someone and having sex with someone outside of marriage, that's not what the Bible says. The purpose of this isn't so you think, well, God doesn't love me or God doesn't want me or any of that. Um, That may be part of your story, okay? Your story may be, hey, I have sexual desires that the Bible doesn't talk about. What do I do with those? That may be part of your story. So let me bring clarity, okay? To be a follower of Jesus means that I take every desire and I submit it to him. Are you getting that? It means to be a follower of Jesus that I surrender my wants, my desires, whatever those are, whether culture says it's okay, whether culture says it's not okay, I take those and I surrender them to Jesus and I say, God, this is what I'm feeling, but Lord, I trust that you have my best interest in mind. I mean, if you've ever been a parent, you may know that like my kids don't always agree with me, but I want them to trust that even though they may not understand it, even though it may not feel like what they're feeling, they would trust, hey, dad really wants what's best for me, even if it's different than what I want. We need to trust our heavenly father that he knows what is best for us, even if it's different than what we want. Now, I know that's a totally different message, and I kind of got off on a side tangent there, but that's what all of us are called to do. Single, married, each one of us are called to submit our life to Christ, to submit our desires to him and to honor him and to say, God, I'm going to follow your plan because I trust that you really are a good father. And even though it may be different than what I feel or what I think or what culture says, like you really do have my best interest in mind. And so when we talk about marriage, we come to scripture and we look at, hey, what does being married mean? And Jesus says this here, it's that commitment between a man and a woman And married couples, they bear witness to the depth of Christ's love. I talked about in the single seasons of our life, we bear witness to how wide the love of Christ. In marriage, we bear witness to how deep the love of Christ, how intimate that love is between God and ourselves, is displayed in the intimacy of a married couple, a man and a woman together. And so there is that passion that should be there in marriage. Doesn't mean you always feel the butterflies and like you're in love, but there should be a passion and an intentionality. Do you hear that? Okay? You don't get to a good marriage just by somehow stumbling into it. You have to be intentional, right? It takes intentionality to show that kind of depth and to put that on display of the world. And so if you are married, I want you to hear this, okay? If you're married in this room, people should be able to look at your marriage... They should be able to look at the way that Sarah loves me and the way that I love Sarah 
and say, man, God loves each one of us so deeply. If you're single, people in the world should be able to look at your life, the community that you have around you, and say, man, God's love is so wide. Like, it's so amazing how he loves people, that there's this kind of paradox that he loves me so intimately and deeply, and yet he sees the other 7 billion people on this earth the exact same way. That's how we put God's display God's love on display to the world around us. And you guys, marriage is a reflection of the gospel. That's what it is. Now, let me say this. There is no perfect marriage, okay? I have found that out over the past 24 and a half years. There's no perfect marriage, but I believe there are healthy marriages, okay? Because none of us are perfect, but we can strive and be intentional to have a healthy marriage. I love what Tim Keller says in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. He says this. The gospel is this, you guys. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted by Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. You guys, that's the story of the Bible. The more I read the scriptures, the more messed up I know that I am. And yet the more I read the scriptures, the more I know I am loved by God in a way that I do not deserve, that I could not earn, and that there's no way I could ever match up to, and yet he just keeps loving me. And can I tell you, I have found that to be true in marriage. There is nothing like marriage to reveal how selfish I am, how prideful I am, how insecure I am. I don't know why after all of this time, all of my little quirks and annoying things have not drove drove Sarah crazy, and yet she still loves me. And a healthy marriage reflects the gospel, you guys. It shows that there is a God, even though we're broken and messed up, and we probably annoy him and frustrate him, he keeps loving us, church. He keeps loving us. And so if you're in a marriage relationship, if you know others, those words of encouragement is the way that they love each other should show the world how great the love of God is. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now what's weird is you're reading this, and Paul, that's the guy who wrote this letter right here, Ephesians 5 I'm 31. He's writing this, and he's in the middle of this whole thing of, hey, if you're married, guys, here's how you love your wife. Wives, here's how you love your husband. Like, he's, he's going all of that. And then he says, wait, this is also a picture of the way that God loves us. This is the image of what we get of Christ and the church. This is what this thing should look like. And he's saying, this is how you are called to love one another, to give yourself for one another. If you're married, it should be that. It should be a reflection of what God is doing for us as the church. So let me tell you this. If you're married, you're not going into marriage for yourself. That's the reason we titled this series like this. This is you for me and me for you, okay? This is not just about myself, okay? We're going to set Disney aside for the next few weeks and fairy tales and Hollywood and all of that stuff because they get this wrong a lot of times, okay? It's not another person that completes you, 
Okay, marriage is the place where math doesn't work, and 50% 50% do not equal 100%. They just equal a really crappy marriage, okay? Because you don't want God to say, hey, I'm just kind of 50% listening to your prayers, do you? Or, hey, I'll just kind of 50% bless you, right? You want that person wholly invested. You want God totally invested in your relationship with him. In marriage, you want two people totally invested in that relationship with each other. 50-50 does not work. It's 100-100 that I'm bringing my best and they're bringing their best. And somehow, even though we're kind of both broken, that both of us doing that puts on display a reflection of the gospel that we love each other even despite our flaws and our mistakes We are intentional about this. That's what we're bringing to marriage. Why? Because it's a reflection of the gospel. It's how God has loved us. Like he doesn't just show up 50% of the time for me. He is always there. That's the calling that we have in marriage is to make that a display of the gospel. Love and respect are the foundation for romantic relationships and marriage. This is what the scripture tells us. Love and respect are the foundation for romantic relationships and marriage. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What I have found as I've read the scripture is there is this mutual cycle. We talk about this a lot, like when we do marriage counseling with young couples that are getting ready to get married. And that is where there is mutual love and respect, it is an amazing foundation for marriage. Now, let me be honest. Um, Sarah was supposed to do this message with me, and she woke up with a fever. um, And so she is not here And I thought, Jesus, this is kind of hard to talk about as a guy because I know in some ways this can seem like, hey, you're just telling women that they're kind of, they have to listen to their husbands. And this thing has gotten all kinds of messed up in culture and sin and in our brokenness. So let me try to bring a little bit of clarity. Um, There is a way that guys are called to love their spouse. And that is, can you look at yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I loving as Jesus loves me? And how did Christ love you? He sacrificed himself. He gave his life for you. He was not in this because he wanted to get something out of it. He was in this because he wanted to be close to you and he wanted a relationship with you. That's how you are called to live. In any kind of messed up, broken thing that would say, I am the man in this relationship and you have to listen to what I say, is against what the Bible is talking about. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying, can you put yourself next to Jesus and saying, that's how I'm loving. That's the standard, guys. This is not about authoritative or, hey, you need to listen to me. You need to be submissive. Like, it's can I love like Jesus loves? And for women, can I respect my husband in the way that I am called to respect God? Can I honor him in that way? One of the scariest moments in marriage, and this has only happened a couple of times, is when Sarah looks at me and says, I don't see it like that, Aaron, but I trust you, and I believe you hear from God, so I'll follow you wherever you lead our family. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, 
And here's why. And, and that doesn't happen a lot. Can I tell you over, you know, almost 25 years, 24 and a half years, um, there's not a lot of moments where Sarah and I aren't on the same page. But when she looks at me and says, I respect you so much that you can see this differently and I'll still follow you, that is scary for me. And those are the moments where I have to go back and say, wait, Jesus, did I really hear from you? Like, I'm 100% clear on this. Because she trusts me so much that, Aaron, you pray and you hear the voice of God, that I know if this is where you lead us, it's going to be okay. And I hope she does that because over the past 24 and a half years, she's seen me sacrifice my life for my family. And she's seen me honor her and protect her. And she's seen me pray and cry out to God, God, I don't want to do anything in my marriage or my family that would dishonor you or would dishonor my wife. God, I don't want to do anything that's not your voice or your leading. That's how I've tried to lead. And I think if more guys would lead like that, it'd be easier for our wives to say, hey, I trust that you're hearing from God and I'll follow your lead. You guys, when we're trying to be domineering and say, you've got to listen to me, no one wants to follow that. You may have had bosses like that or you had teachers, people in your life like that. You don't want to follow them. It's those that are saying, hey, I'll sacrifice for you. I'll lay down my life. I'll give whatever I have because I truly want what's best for you. That's how we're called to love and respect each other. This is the picture that the Bible gives us. And you guys, this is the picture many times that's sorely lacking in culture. It's missing from our world. And I truly believe the world needs to see more of this. It needs to see us more and more out of our singleness showing how amazing the love of Christ is, out of our married life, showing how amazing the love of Christ is, to put the reflection of the gospel on display for the world to see. That's the marriage God has called us to. And I mentioned this earlier, this message isn't to shame anyone. If you're currently living in a way that's contrary to what the Bible says, this message is to encourage you, would you consider submitting everything? If you are married and you are emotionally involved with someone else in a way that you should not be. That is not okay. You need to submit that to God. If you are objectifying another human on a screen or on a video or some other way to sexually gratify yourself, that is not okay. You need to submit that to God. And say, Lord, I want to surrender every part of my life because I want to put your love on display for the world to see. And so I don't want you walking away feeling guilty or God hates me or God doesn't love me. We trust God. You want what's best for me. And so I want to follow your lead. And I'm going to pray for us. If you would take a moment, maybe bow your head and close your eyes. I've talked about our relationship with other people, either being single or being married. But I want to talk about this. How's your relationship with God? There may be someone in this room, or maybe you're joining us online. Um, maybe even be your first time, and you would be honest and say, Aaron, I don't know if my relationship with God is where it needs to be. Maybe you viewed God as some authoritative person who's mad at you, who's angry. But the beauty of the gospel is God loves us more than we could ever hope to be loved. 
And the truth of the gospel is we are more broken and sinful than we ever dared imagine. We just are. And yet he keeps pursuing us and he keeps chasing after us. He loves us. And if that's you, there's a simple way to start a relationship with God, to come back into a relationship with him. The gospel is very clear that we were broken. And so God came, he gave himself in the form of Jesus. God wrapped himself up in flesh and he lived here on this earth. He died on the cross. He was resurrected and raised to new life so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with God because sin had separated us from him. And if that's you, I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer and it just acknowledges that, God, I've messed up and I need your forgiveness. I can't fix myself on my own. I want a relationship with you, God. And if that's you, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. And I want everyone to say this out loud. We don't want anyone praying this by themselves. So would you say this out loud, even if you're at home by yourself, say this out loud with me. Jesus, I come to you. I know I've messed up. I've sinned, tried to do things my own way. And I'm sorry. I need a fresh start. So I invite you in. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate for anyone who prayed that prayer? I say this every week, but this is one of the most exciting moments in the service. The Bible says that heaven rejoices, heaven celebrates, that the angels are dancing around and throwing a party when even one person comes back into a relationship with God. And if that's you, if you, you're saying, hey, I kind of felt separated from God, I don't feel like I've been close, but you prayed that prayer this morning. The Bible says that God's doing something on the inside of you, that he's working on the inside of you to make you new. And there's a simple first step that we want to encourage you to take to go to newcommunity.co slash connect track and let us know that you prayed that prayer. And connect track is just a simple class that, that we do every month and it helps you to understand like, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? When we talk about God forgiving us of our sins, what does that even mean? And we just, it's a great place to ask any questions. You don't have to be afraid to even, even say, hey, here are some of my doubts. Can you guys help me? We want to have open conversations. So this is a great first step. And we want to help you. We want you to know you don't have to try to figure this thing out on your own. You don't have to try to do this by yourself and say, let me try to read the Bible on my own. There are others that want to walk with you and help you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. There's one more thing that I want to encourage you with um, for all of us. And that are just some simple action steps. What do I do with this message? Like, how do we take these scriptures and apply them to our lives? And so um, I mentioned this, but if you're single, maybe here are some questions to ask. How am I investing in my self-care? Am I taking care of myself mentally, emotionally, like relationally, physically, all of those things? And then do I have a strong community around me that they're encouraging me in those healthy relationships, right? And so maybe grab um, a coffee or lunch with a friend and just ask them, hey, keep me accountable in these areas of my life because I want to be, um, I want to honor God through my singleness. If you're married, maybe reflect on that question. Am I developing love and respect with my spouse? Um, that's a great question. And then your assignment, if you're married, is to take your spouse on a date, okay? So maybe you don't do that a lot. Sarah and I, we do date night every single Monday. Sometimes it's just um, 
in the room, we order in food and we hang out and talk together and watch TV shows. But like we make sure that there's time away from the kids just by ourselves every single week. And so if you're married, um, that's your homework. If you're single, grab coffee or lunch with a friend and just ask for some help. Hey, I want to honor God through my single life. I want you to keep me accountable in this area. And so just asking them to make sure you're emotionally investing in yourself. You're taking care of yourself. Let me pray one final prayer over us that all of us would help to honor God in this part of our life. Jesus, thank you. Um, Lord, this is a reflection of your love towards us. You truly love us in ways that I don't understand or I know we don't always deserve. And thank you for that, God. And my prayer is for every single person in this room. Help us to understand, Lord, how you've called us to honor you, what this season of our life should look like, what this calling should look like. And Lord, in a world that's so broken and has this confused so much, Lord, would you help us to be a light, to be an example, God, of your love to the world around us? For those of us that are married, Lord, would you help us once again to reflect your love, Lord, to show the world what it looks like a beautiful picture of the gospel and your love for us through our married life lord we want to honor and love and respect each other god let ncc be a place of strong healthy marriages let ncc be a place of strong healthy single individuals lord in relationship and community god we want to display your love to the world around us live through us we pray this in your name amen